I like where we've been going for the last couple episodes, so let's keep rolling in this direction. What are we, the everyday Christians in the pews, supposed to be doing? We aren't supposed to be sitting on our butts waiting for all the superstar Christians, that's for sure. We can't let them do all the work. So, what do we do? This is the Dangerous Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Williams. sometimes think of a triangle in a way. At the top of the triangle, the the pointy part, you have the pastors, the celebrities, the theologians, the apologists like a C.S. Lewis or a Tim Keller. Then at the bottom of the triangle, the big fat, the, the big part, there is you and me. Now this is where if you're a mathematician, you're rolling your eyes and be like, oh my gosh, this guy knows nothing about math. But anyways, that's what you're going to get. The pointy parts at the top, and then the big fat part, the bottom of the food group, you know, if you remember that triangle, that's where you and me are. We go to our local church, we hear some good messages, and then we go home, and to be honest, like, I'm going to be real, you try to be a good person, you want to generally do the right thing, you give your money to all, like we talked about last episode, to all the superstar Christians out there, they do the heavy lifting... Sunday comes back again and rinse and repeat. You do it all over. Our whole goal is not to mess up too badly. We want to give our money to good causes. We want to be good people. And, you know, hey, let's call it a day. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to flip the whole thing. Take that triangle and turn it upside down. You and I and the everyday Christians, we're now at the top. The largest part of the triangle. Take like, Imagine taking the pyramids and, and flipping them over. You and I are now at the top. And the pastors and the scholars and all the smarty pants attractive people, all of them are at the bottom. They're at the pointy end. Why did I do this? Uh, well, you see, we need those people, to be sure. We need teachers and preachers and speakers and role models. We need the people who are in front of cameras and the people who are good on social media. Like, they have their role to play, I'm not going to lie. They have the time and the resources to do things that you and I can't. However, their job is to equip us to go out into our world and do pastoral, theological counseling type things. Pastors equip the people in the pews to go out and do pastoral things. Theologians, same thing, etc., uh, etc. Et I think you get the point. And uh, so I have a verse, for, uh, two verses for you. Is it two or is it three? Ah, it's three verses. Sorry. Um, Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 13. And then we're going to talk about it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Now, this passage, uh, coincidentally enough, is actually going to be part of our devotional for uh, the end of the episode. So, you know, I guess we're going to talk about it a little early. So that's exciting. But anyways, um, these three verses tell us something. We are to be equipped by the people at the bottom of the triangle, the pointy end, so that we can go out and do some of those things in our own life. Our pastor is supposed to show us how to read our Bible so that we can go home and study it ourselves. And then maybe one day we can start our own Bible studies at work or with our friends. Our pastor is supposed to show us how to evangelize so that, we, so that we can go out into the streets and among our friends and family and share the gospel. Our pastor is to show us how to pray so that we can start maybe prayer groups and do it ourselves with our quiet times in our closets as Jesus talks about. Our pastor is supposed to show us how to counsel so that we can go help people heal in our own personal lives. Now, that's a lot for our local pastor to do. We have other mature, gifted Christians who are supposed to help out. Elders, uh, if that's what your church has, ministry leaders. Um, I was part of a church, Sovereign Grace, before it uh, kind of imploded. Uh, that's a story for another time. But uh, they had small group leaders, and the small group leaders kind of functioned as elders. I'm part of a church now, uh, St. John's uh, Church in Coleman, where uh, they have uh, council members. Now, they're not quite elders, but they kind of help with the leadership of the church. There are other people outside of just the pastor who's supposed to walk alongside of us and help us out. We are to be equipped by these people so that we can go out into, out into the world and be lights to the world. It's not that we have to be good at everything, but we can get the basics down. Let's say someone comes in and, and you're not a licensed counselor, but they're like, you know what? Um, uh, my, my spouse cheated on me. Uh, what should I do? Now, the world might say, hey, go get some, go get even, go get yours. But you can have the basics of counseling down and be like, all right, let's pause and, and let's work through some of these things. Let's not be hasty to quickly go out and act out of anger or sadness or hurt, even though that's all natural. Let's, let's, uh, let's um, move forward carefully prayerfully, lovingly, but also with justice. So if you have some of those basics down, then you can go out and help your friends, even if, let's say, you're not a licensed therapist. But anyways, uh, I often use the 80-20 rule with regards to the church. And now this isn't a good thing. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But it shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't have one person doing tons of things and everyone else just watching them. Part of that is a mindset. We don't really view ministry as we should. We think serving and using our spiritual gifts is limited to whenever we get together as a local church. We think, oh man, if I'm gifted, I can only use my gifts on Sunday. So you might think of ministry as helping with Sunday school, leading a Bible study, singing in the praise band, or being an usher. All those things are great. I encourage y'all to, to go do those things, to help out and to serve. However, that's just the beginning. You really do ministry wherever you go and wherever you are. 
your home and your family is a ministry. You want to love your spouse. I, I need to love my wife. And then uh, I don't have children quite yet. I hope those are uh, on the way uh, in, the, in the future. But anyways, uh, I'm supposed to love my wife and to, to serve her. Um, you you want to serve your family and help them grow. Your work is a part of your ministry. You encourage and you disciple, you share the gospel, and you try to set a good example for those around you. Your friend groups are a ministry. Your school is a ministry. Even running errands is a ministry because you never know who you'll run into, who's watching you, uh, all that stuff. And this is why you need training. You need basic apologetics because people might ask you questions about your faith. Oh, how do we know God exists? Or, you know, what about, what about evil and suffering? You might need to have a couple basic answers. You also need a basic theology. People might ask you about heaven or hell or God, and they'll be like, hey, what, what, what do you believe about these things? Uh, you might need basic counseling like we talked about before because oftentimes people will go to you with your with their problems and you need to know, all right, I might not have all the answers, but I can help a little bit in my own way. You will do pastoral things in your life, even if you never have the title. So get training and, and get off the sidelines. Go to a church where the Bible's preached, you are equipped and so then you jump in and, and, and go serve. God has quite the life for you, but that's not going to happen if you just kind of hang out and wait for something to magically appear in your lap. If the local church is filled with local people who are passionate about changing their local communities, the world will look different. Now, I said local a lot, and some of you might get annoyed, so I'm not going to repeat that sentence. But if, if we are passionate about being involved in changing our circles of influence for good, using our, our giftings that the Bible talks about, um, using our lights as Christians, I think the world will look different. However, uh, we can change our Facebook profile pictures. We can listen to our favorite celebrity pastors who sound really good every Sunday. And we can complain about how bad the world is while we sit on our lazy butts doing nothing. Well, what sounds better to you? I say jump in. There's a lot of work to do. Uh, Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You and I are supposed to jump in, get started, get messy, make mistakes, and just have a blast. Let's serve God and let's love him well. Let's have dangerous faith. Our devotional today comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. And before I get started, a couple notes. Like I said in the last episode... There's a part of this that's pretty complicated, and I don't know if anyone fully understands this passage, like every part of it. So I'm not going to jump into that part per se when I make comments, other than to, you know, actually I'll talk about it right now. Um, it gets a little deep, and what, what do we do when there are parts of uh, uh, passages that we don't understand? Pray about it? Ask questions? You might want to get a commentary or ask your pastor, you know, and really there's humility 
we're not going to understand everything. So we have to hunger and thirst after the wisdom that comes from God. God is wise. And so as, as our eyes are opened, as we grow, the Holy Spirit illuminates a lot of things for us. But it takes humility. If you try to read your Bible and understand it all at once, it's going to frustrate you and you're going to quit. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to comfort us and lead us into all truth and to illuminate certain things that we might not get right away. And so, uh, yeah, so that's something to keep in mind. The second thing, like I said, verses, I believe they were 11, 12, and 13. We've already read before, so just bear with me. Uh, I just want to tell you that it's not going to kill us to to read the same passage twice. It's probably actually a good practice. So let's see. Is that all I wanted to say? I believe so. All right. So I'm going to get started. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says... When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Amen. So, like I said before, we talked about verses 11 through 13. We are to be equipped by the leaders to, uh, to, to do works of service so that we can be built up. Um, and, uh, and part of being built up is so that we're no longer infants. We're no longer immature, going purely based off of how we feel. Because, you know, feelings change day to day and uh, the culture changes day to day. And we don't want to be tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. You will not, you will not be deceived if you have a firm foundation of truth, if you have a firm foundation in doctrine. So let's make sure that we know our stuff. We read our Bible, we get good training and good education, and so that we're not going to be children who will really believe anything. Um... Oh, goodness. I think uh, maybe I get the story incorrect. I don't know, but I'm going to go for it. I have a younger sister, and uh, she believed that there was this uh, rack of ribs in the store. 
and I forget whether it was me or my older sister who told her this, but we told her that that rack of ribs was a cow's teeth. And so she believed, because, you know, they had a lot of uh, white-looking bones, you know, in in those ribs. And uh, she believed that, hey, those were cow's teeth, but they were really ribs. Anyways, when when you're a child, when you're young in the faith, when you're immature and you're drinking milk, because that's what children do, oftentimes you'll believe whatever people tell you. We're not to be that way. So let's keep growing. Secondly, uh, in verse 16, uh, let's see, is it verse 16? Well, it's also talked about in verse 13. The goal of all this is to be like Jesus. So in verse 15, uh, that's actually all over this whole passage, we want to become like Christ. We want to grow in every respect to the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So that's what spiritual formation is all about. Spiritual formation is simply using the disciplines of Christianity, like reading your Bible or praying and things like that, using those disciplines to be transformed by the Holy Spirit to become like Jesus. That's what we're after. And so when I, when I talk about dangerous faith and what that means, that means head, heart, hands. We're trying to be like Jesus with the way that we think what we believe, our walk with God, and then uh, our hands, how we serve. Head, heart, hands is what it takes to have a dangerous faith where we grow to be like Jesus. That's what we're after. That's the end goal. Well, that's all I had for today. So I'm going to pray. I hope uh, this devotional helped you. I know in the beginning, verses uh, 7 and 8, kind of, it's a saying, and and so it's a little unusual. What does it mean, verse 8? When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And so that's that can be tricky, I'm not going to lie. And so uh, if you want to learn more about that, just message me, uh, contact me on social media, and we'll talk about it. But for these devotionals, I try to keep it simple and straightforward, uh, getting some things that anyone really could get if you if you read your Bible. So, but I can talk about more difficult passages if you would like for me to. Anyways, let's pray and then we'll sign off, all right? Father, uh, we're so thankful that you've given us Christian leaders and they're good and they're necessary and they help us. But help us also not to use them as excuses for not going out and serving as we should. Help us to be equipped to do works of service so that we can grow and be stronger in the faith. Help us to not be infants. Help us not to be children who will believe anything, but to have a firm foundation of Scripture. And then finally, uh, Lord... Jesus, thank you for dying for us on the cross for our sins. Help us to grow to be more like you in all that we say and all that we do. We want to grow in our spiritual formation to be like you, Jesus Christ, but we need your strength and your power to do so. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, uh, that's all for today. And uh, I guess I'm going to sign off. So in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.